Erica Pandy, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. It's Wednesday, December 1st, and we're focused on the Omicron COVID variant. It was only a matter of time. The first U.S. case of the variant has been detected in California. The patient, who was fully vaccinated, was recently traveling from South Africa and is now experiencing mild symptoms. It's been a week since the Omicron variant was reported to the World Health Organization. Immediately, global leaders sprang into action. They put new travel restrictions in place, they reintroduced mask mandates, they doubled down on vaccination campaigns, and they discouraged any travel, particularly for people 60 and older. But there isn't actually that much we know yet about this variant. Although the WHO says it may be more transmissible than the other strains of COVID that we've seen. Even with so many unknowns, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson are already racing to adapt their shots to better protect against Omicron. So are we acting too quickly when there's little information? Or is the swift action we're seeing from countries and companies enough to keep Omicron from turning into another Delta wave? And what does the latest variant tell us about our future living alongside this virus? In a moment, I'll be joined by Dr. Richard Besser. He's a former acting director of the CDC and we'll break down what we know about the new variant and what comes next. We're joined now by Dr. Richard Besser, former acting director of the CDC. So first things first, this new variant was reported November 24th, exactly a week ago. What do we know about it at this point? Scientists in South Africa uh, were able to detect a new variant, a new strain. And what they saw when they looked at that strain were quite a number of mutations in parts of the virus. And they were seeing a number of these cases in South Africa. And so it raised the concern of could this be a a variant? Could this be a a strain for which individuals who've already had COVID aren't protected because it's so different from the strains that were seen before? And what they did is what we hope any country would do, and that's they shared the information and they shared it quickly. And so as a global community, it's very fortunate that this was detected in a country that has a very sophisticated scientific community. So we do know that it's very different from the strains we've seen. We don't yet know if it's deadlier or more likely to make people sick or more transmissible, right? We're still figuring that out? Yeah, what we don't know about this strain far exceeds what we do know. So looking at the virus, they see a number of mutations. Given that our vaccines target certain parts of the virus and some of those have changed, that raised the question, uh, which hasn't been answered, will our vaccines work as well? It raises the questions whether you know some of our therapies, uh, monoclonal antibodies, whether those will work as well. And it raises the question, will it spread easier than other strains? These questions haven't been answered. We don't know whether it causes disease that's any more severe. Uh, hopefully, the precautions that have been taken and we'll be able to say in a couple of weeks, wow, we didn't need to do all that. Things are calming down. But being careful, moving out quickly, taking it seriously is exactly what I think you want to see in the response during a pandemic. With Delta, we saw countries waiting weeks to act. This time we saw action within hours of Omicron being reported. Was it too rapid or is there no such thing as, as too fast in a case like this? 
I led the CDC during the H1N1 pandemic in 2009. And one of the points that I I tried to make every time I, I spoke to the public was that you only have one chance to get ahead of something. And I'm a big believer in you go after it big and then you back off when you know that you can. And so the response here of saying, let's Let's learn everything we can. Rapid learning across many countries. Let's learn everything we can about uh, Omicron. Let's increase surveillance so we can detect it and see whether it is spreading more easily, whether it is causing more disease, whether you are seeing disease in people who've already had COVID or have been vaccinated. Um, That's exactly what I think you want to see in response during a pandemic like this. We're watching science play out in real time here, how soon can we expect to know more? Or is that an unknown in and of itself? There's different pieces of information. So in the laboratory, scientists are going to be able to take this virus and take antibodies. So those are the protective factors that our immune system makes in response to an infection. And they'll see how effectively those antibodies neutralize or kill the virus. And I would expect that science will have an answer within a week. The science in terms of, well, how does that play out in real people, in real communities um, across the globe, that can take longer to see, are you seeing this increase? What we saw with Delta uh, over time was that the percentage of cases of COVID that were caused by Delta kept going up and it started to displace and replace the strains that were, were in the community. Viruses vary, and looking at individual mutations tells you something. But from my perspective, hopefully Delta uh, will remain a more efficient virus than this one and will continue to be the dominant strain because we know our vaccines work against Delta, and we know that it's been pervasive and spreading in so many different places. We were talking about the benefits for public health officials to act quickly and be careful you know, as careful as possible until they know more. What about public panic? Should public officials be worrying about panicking the public and then later releasing information that shows this wasn't as threatening? And, you know, is there a risk of people getting burnt out? There are real communication challenges during any health crisis, and especially in a situation where you have rapidly changing information, where you're learning on on the fly. And the concern about panic from my perspective, has always been overblown. And I've seen it used more as a way of not giving people information that I think that they should have, not being transparent, saying, wow, we can't share that information. People won't be able to handle it. They'll overreact. They'll panic. And it's extremely rare to see panic. You'll see people who are concerned. You'll see people take who will weigh the risks in different ways and modify their behavior. But I think people should have that right to do that, to know what scientists know when they know it and to know what scientists are doing to get answers to those unanswered questions. It's often challenging when you're in one of those public health leadership positions because the media wants answers. But I think that you... You gain trust and you maintain trusts when you are fully transparent. And, and there's a mental toll here, right, on the public. I mean, I'm feeling it. I'm seeing my friends and family feel it where we think that this is behind us and then a new variant pops up. Should we just get comfortable with living with this virus? It's so hard to get comfortable. I like everyone, is was feeling relief. There have been so many times during this pandemic where I felt like, wow, we are definitely over the worst of this. And then the virus had a different plan for society. And 
clearly we're not out of the woods when it comes to, to COVID. We don't know what the future will hold in terms of this. I had hoped that once there were safe and effective vaccines available, that the post-vaccine era of COVID would be upon us. And then we've seen just large numbers of people decide not to get vaccinated. We've seen a global community that hasn't provided vaccines in a fair and equitable manner to countries around the globe. And so we're seeing this continue to play out. We're seeing these cycles that are extremely draining. They're emotionally taxing. And, and, and that's really hard. But I don't think you address that by withholding information. That, I think, even worsens the situation in terms of people's trust and feeling that they have some sense of control in their lives. What should the average person be doing right now? Is it, you know, go and get your booster, start putting your mask on again, cancel holiday travel? What are the steps that I should be taking just as an individual? There are a few things. One is paying attention, listening to trusted sources of information, because there will be all kinds of misinformation and disinformation that is circulated as it has throughout the pandemic. And so I listen very closely to what CDC is saying and what information they're bringing forward, what NIH is saying, what the World Health Organization is saying. And I think that's really important. Being informed can help deal with the uncertainty. I also think that it's a time to, to look at what we're currently doing to reduce transmission. There's so much pandemic fatigue that in, in many communities, you see people letting go some of the measures we know that work. You know, still in the United States, we're seeing almost a thousand people die every single day. So whether uh, Omicron turns out to be something of concern or not, the Delta variant is very concerning to me. And I, I worry that we've accepted as standard and acceptable that a thousand people could die every day from this virus. And we know that if more people got vaccinated, if people wore masks indoors where they were going to be in close contact in communities where there's high transmission, it would reduce the number of people who got sick. Right now, there's a call for people to get boosted. We don't know whether that will do anything to protect against Omicron if it turns out that Omicron is something we really need to worry about. But we do know that it will help with the Delta variant that's currently circulating and could save lives. So I do think it's a good time to say, look, if it's been more than six months since you've had the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine and you're 18 or older, good time to get a booster. If it's been at least two months since you've had the J&J &J vaccine, it's time to get a booster. In terms of holiday plans, if you're planning to travel by plane, I would get tickets that are, are either refundable or you can move just because there's so much uncertainty around it. I'm planning holiday travel. Hopefully, I'll be able to go through with it. But I also want to keep in my mind the idea that I may have to change my plans because uh, we just don't know. And that, that applies to things that we're doing at work, meetings that we're hoping to have in person after the new year. We're also planning for the contingency that, well, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll need to continue to do that remotely. That's Dr. Richard Besser, former acting director of the CDC. Thanks, Rich. Thanks so much, Erica. Welcome back. If you're a Spotify user like me, you're probably flipping through your Spotify wrapped today. That's the streaming app's annual release of personalized listening stats, and it's always super fun. This year, I'm also looking at U.S.-wide stats. The top two stream songs in the U.S. both went to 18-year-old Olivia Rodrigo, who also put out her debut album just this year. Her song Driver's License took the top spot, and her song Good For You was number two. 
Like many other pop stars the last three decades, I'm thinking Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, Rodrigo got her start on the Disney Channel. But she really rocketed to fame after her debut single, Driver's License, blew up on TikTok. So Disney may have picked her out of the crowd, but TikTok turned her into the next big thing. Look for TikTok to keep catapulting artists to fame. That's all for today. I'm Erica Pandy. Thanks for listening, and we're back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.